what is the setup here? I mean, who's your boss? God. What? My boss. Scott. I'm an angel. I'm one of the best, but I try. And I make mistakes. Guess he figures the only way I'm going to learn is by mistakes. I'm kind of new at this. Hello. Welcome to Highway to Heaven Revisited. Hosted by Rachel Mayer and Joel Luders. With moderator, Sam Hine. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the brand new episode of your favorite Highway to Heaven related podcast, Highway to Heaven Revisited. I'm your moderator, Sam Hine, and I'm joined by your two favorite Highway to Heaven watch through podcast hosts. Please give a warm podcast nation welcome to Rachel Mayer and Joel Luders. Hey, folks. Hi. Yay. Joel and Rachel, it's a pleasure to have you back here at the Channel 3 TV studio headquarters. It's good to see you, Sam. Oh, yeah. It's a pleasure to be back. What do you think about the new tapestries? Oh, they're absolutely Mm -hmm. Gregorian. (laughs) Yes. As you can see, each wall is a different movie theme. We have the Blade Runner wall. You've got your wall that's completely dedicated to all of the bit droids from Star Wars. Yes. As you can see... There are droids on this side, the right side, and then on the left, you'll see all the spacecrafts over here. Yeah, but not the main ones. No, the tertiary ones are the most exciting. Wouldn't you agree, Rachel? I would. I actually, um, you guys remember the board game Sorry? I do. Yeah, I played a Star Wars version of Sorry at work today. Oh, you're yeah. so lucky. That's totally what I got paid to do. Oh my goodness. Yeah. You're so into Star Wars. Yeah. I read the word droid a lot. Our pieces were droids. Oh, excellent. Yeah. So it's little R2-D2s you get to bounce around? No, or? they're just regular game pieces. But when you read the instruction card, it says, move your droid forward four spaces. So it's the same game. They just wrote a new instruction manual. Yeah, and yeah. the board is like a circle and mm-hmm. there's little Star Wars drawings on it. That's but the it. game pieces, no effort has been put forth to make those sort of Star Wars <laughs> looking at all. No, none at all, actually. It was a pretty exciting day. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's just cut to the chase. All this idle chit-chat and, you know, evidence of our friendship outside of the show aside, we have to get down to business. We have to get down to the nitty-gritty. We have to hit the pavement. We got to start running down the highway. I think we're officially past the halfway point in season one. We are. Cha-ching. I know that this is the lucky 13th episode of the podcast, which means I think we're watching uh, episode 15 today. Episode 15, you are correct. Excellent. For the listeners at home, Rachel, what is the name? of tonight's episode. Tonight's episode is One Winged Angels. Oh my. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A couple things come to mind. Uh-huh. Mythological imagery of a, a mid-air fight between an angel and a demon. An angel loses a wing. It's the moment of an angel getting its wing chopped off by the sharp mythical blade of a demon up in the sky. And what happens to that angel once that one wing is removed? He falls, falls to earth, and it's really up to him to just live the rest of eternity amongst humans. Amongst humans. That's what technically angels do. They don't dwell amongst us. Mm-hmm. When referring to angels, angels live amongst us. I mean, what you're describing is the David Bowie film, The Man Who Fell to Earth. I have to admit, Joel, I have attempted to watch that movie mm, twice, and I found it rather impenetrable. <laughs> I thought it was, he was a Martian, though. Yeah, he's, he's like not a moon an angel. man. Right. He's a Mars man. Who comes to Earth and invests in plastics. He's a very good-looking ginger Mars. 
wise man. Becomes rich and then becomes uh, absorbed by the decadence of Earth. As far as episodes of uh, Highway to Heaven goes, is this like the Led Zeppelin album cover of Highway to Heaven episodes? I do feel that we are sitting on something good here. Okay. What we've brought today is a very special episode. I have a lot of thoughts about it. Tell me, how does our illustrious tale begin today? We're on the shoreline of a lake. There is harp music followed by violin music. It's slow and kind of romantic. The camera is panning across and we see a dock with boats on it. The camera keeps pulling over and we see kind of a hotel on the side of the dock. I looked up, this location is actually called the Lakes Treatment Center, which was a drug rehab place. So far, this sounds like the setting for any good Stephen King movie. It's by a lake. We're going to have to move away a little bit from the creepy imagery. It's definitely not creepy. It looks like a resort. It looks like a nice vacation area. We've got some rolling hills in the background. It's one of those fancy clubs where you can take a vacation and uh, have that kind of adventure Jennifer Grey had in uh, Dirty Dancing, where magical things happen in the summertime. Yeah, not where you're going to go reconnect with the original evil from Stephen King. More Jennifer Grey. It's different floors. The first floor is Dirty (laughs) Dancing. The second floor is the Stephen King nightmare floor. So this time we'll be just on the first floor. And what we see is a little boy running with a football. He's throwing it up in the air and catching it. And he's making a bunch of noise, running down the boardwalk that's kind of runs alongside the hotel room. Causing a real ruckus. Causing a real ruckus. And then a door swings open and there's an older gentleman who is yelling at the kid. He says, I thought I told you not to do that. And in response, the kid just sticks his tongue out at him. The kid has better things to do mm-hmm. than let the man get him down. Yeah. But That's the, right. The man's not going to let the kid get the last word in. So he sticks his tongue out at the kid and then shuts the door. Nice. So then the kid keeps running and then we see a woman who looks like she has a housekeeping cart. So she's a staff member. She also is a little bit older, maybe 60s. And as this kid runs by, she yells at him. That's I'm gonna snap you both! Get it if you keep on disturbing the guests! That's quite a threat. Yeah, it's not effective. It's no more effective than the older gentleman. He just keeps on running. And the next thing we see is Max just running into this gas station. Small town gas station. Not run down, just a little bit older maybe. Max I- runs into this gas station, runs up to a soda machine, and just starts kicking the machine. Just like kicking the crap out of it. That's what machine. I was saying. Kicking the, just knocking the hair right off, turning that soda machine bald. (laughs) A gentleman at the gas station sticks his head up and starts yelling at him, hey, quit doing that. Told you. Quit kicking the machine. I feel like this gentleman, though, isn't so much yelling. It's more like, come on, Max. Stop, Mm. Max. Come on. Uh." He's like the one guy in the neighborhood who has still some semblance of patience for Max. It's like not that so much as I think he's like a little bit scared of Max. You know, so he's just not going to yell at him. Does Max look mean? I'd say he looks more like the kind of kid who would one day maybe be an ensign on a Starship Enterprise. Finally, Will Wheaton is on the show. Enter Will Wheaton, yes. How old would you say Will Wheaton is in this episode? Eight. Sure. Young. Young. I mean, this is one of his first roles. I'd assume so. Maybe nine. I mean, not not older than ten. Does he look younger than he is in uh, Stand By Me? A little. I feel like it's a couple years earlier. Yeah, I'd say it's like a year or two earlier. So little Will Wheaton is just kicking the crap out of this soda machine, Mm. and he's getting lightly chastised by an older man. We find out his name is Earl. Earl is the owner of the gas station. But Max isn't listening because Max gets a can of pop. I mean, it works. He kicks it enough, and all of a sudden, he gets a soda pop. 
this is like a uh, an Arthur Fonzarelli in training because I'm sure this is the way Fonzie started out, where he had to learn how to kick a Coca Cola machine like 15 or 16 times in a row before a can came out. Fast forward 15 years, he's out of high school, five, six, seven years, he's working on cars, makes friends with Richie Cunningham, and he's like, "Hey, look at this clonk! That's an elbow into a jukebox for you." And yeah. Then bang, song plays, first try. I like that idea. I mean, it has to start somewhere. Where did he practice that? I mean, yeah, it's like lock picking. You just eventually you learn just the right place to turn over all the dials in one fell swoop. So Max has gotten his can of soda and he's just running off. He's like, see ya, I got my pop. I'm going to take off somewhere else and kick something else. Who are we going to cut to next? We're going to go right to Mark and Jonathan. Jonathan is driving this time. Mark's in the passenger seat and they are discussing their upcoming vacation. The almighty Lord in heaven has ordained that they get some time off. I guess most accurately, Mark is going on vacation. He's really excited about going to this lake. He wants to show Jonathan the lake. He's going to kick back and go fishing all week. Jonathan is going to handle the case. We don't know what the case is yet, but John's going to take it. I don't understand why Victor French would want to go fishing instead of, you know, trying to get married again in the week or two he has off. Well, one thing one thing we learned in this show is that Mark really likes fishing. I mean, that hasn't come up before yet, right? No, I don't believe it has. Yeah. And you you know how Mark wants to start off his vacation? He's getting into like the vacation mindset while they're driving in the car. He wants to just really tie one on. Close. He pulls out a cigarette. Well, mm-hmm. we all know how Jonathan Price feels about smoking. Jonathan I mean, Smith. <laughs> <laughs> and just in case you didn't know how Jonathan Smith feels about smoking, Mark goes to light up a cigarette. The next thing we know, there is a literal downpour in the car on top of Mark. That's an abuse of angel powers. Mm-hmm. That's what Mark thought. And he was like, why are you making it rain on me? Why are you using your angel powers like that, you know? Yeah, and Jonathan's like, I didn't do it. It wasn't me. (laughs) And he gives just one of his little Jonathan smirks and kind of looks up at the sky. Mark's like, wait, God did this? He must really like me if he wants me to live to a long old age. And Jonathan's like, meh, could be. And then Mark's kind of like, what do you mean? And Jonathan goes, well, maybe he's just not anxious to have you up there. This is Michael Landon speaking directly to his friend, Mm -hmm. Victor French, Mm -hmm. through the script mm-hmm. quite possibly not yet because it's only 85 we have a, we have a while still okay well i don't want to bum everybody out but this is the lucky 13th episode the thing is victor french does succumb to lung cancer yes right. at the age of 54 but see here's where it gets complicated because both victor french and michael landon were big smokers for their whole lives do you think michael landon's just telling victor french he needs to stop smoking it's hard to say yeah. you know maybe by this point michael landon has stopped smoking and okay. He's, I'm fairly certain he smoked pretty much up until, uh, I don't know, until he died an untimely early death as well. Just not of lung cancer. Well, that's yeah. what I feel like through the ages, you know, you guys watching the show and then retelling me the tale. I feel the strong voice of actually Michael Landon trying to convince yeah. Victor French to quit smoking. We're getting already. some pretty serious quit smoking propaganda in this episode. I can definitely see them writing something like that in there for, you know, even just sort of joking with themselves. But so we've definitely definitely established that they are on vacation and we've gotten a little bit of a don't smoke PSA in there too. We're back at the hotel. We're in the front lobby of the hotel. The older woman who looked to be the housekeeper earlier, she's working behind the front desk. And there is the older gentleman whose name is Mr. Glidden, but this is the last time we're going to see him, so you don't have to remember that name. He's at the front counter actually checking out a couple days early. He's got to get back to uh, his air freshener empire. No, he's sick of Max. He's had enough of this little kid running around and terrorizing him 
him and sticking his tongue out and throwing his football against the doors. Oh, can I help you, Mr. Glidden? Well, yes, uh, we'll be checking out today, uh, uh, right now, as a matter of fact. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Is anything wrong? Well, yes, it's your grandson. With all this ball bouncing and skateboarding at all hours, we're beginning to feel like we're interrupting his vacation. It's best if we check out. I apologize for the inconvenience. I'll be happy to refund the balance. Well, thank you. Just send me the bill. Then the grandmother turns to who we find out is Max's mom. Libby. Libby. And we find out a little bit more that his grandfather died and Max's father took off. And they discuss, you know, we should send that kid off to military school. Yeah, grandma wants to send Max to military school. Libby's like, no, no, let's not do that. It's just hard for me. Libby says he just needs love and he needs to be around us and he'll be fine. And grandma's like, I hope you're right. Which I was thinking is one of the most passive aggressive, like agreeable stings you can say. I hope you're right. Does anybody ever actually say that? Well, I hope you're right. I would say I'm on Team Libby here. I think eight years old is a little young for military school. I don't know how you guys uh, stand on the issue. How old was Will Wheaton when he joined military school for Star Trek? Let's face it, Wesley Crusher was a very special case. Yeah, he was a special case because he was basically a tag-along with his mother. And then he got kept on the deck because he was running around too much on the bridge. And so he kind of got an honorary (gasps) ensign-like status. So kind of like... Like he was like running around and kicking things. Right. They were like, hey, kid, you need a job. You're obviously bored Whoa. to death. Whoa. Here's a job. And boom, he excelled. And then he got sent to Starfleet Academy for a little while. Hmm. It's very true. Maybe they should send Max to military school. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we've established the family that needs some help. Mark's going on vacation. And this one is all about Michael Landon. 24-7 Michael Landon. He's a one-man band this episode. We're going to intercut with Michael Landon. And then Mark's getting his tackle, caught in his waders. going to be a lot of uh, pratfalls with Mark fishing, boozing. There is a lot of Mark in this episode. Surprisingly. So Mark and Jonathan pull up to the hotel. They get out of the car and Mark says he's going to take a walk to dry off and Jonathan goes to check in. And I did make a note that Jonathan was wearing a gray denim jacket, which I think is a first. John goes inside and that's when he bumps into Libby behind the desk. Libby is the actress Robin Dearden. She was known for Magnum P.I., Breaking Bad, Chicanery. She met her husband while they were both filming Airwolf. Two years after this, her husband's name is Brian Cranston. Mm, I think I've heard of that guy. He might have been also on Breaking Bad. <laughs> Who's to say, though? Yeah, so Brian Cranston, I didn't realize, has been married to the same woman since like 86 or 87 or something. That's incredible. Yeah. Congratulations yeah. to the Cranstons. Indeed. So Jonathan just meets Libby. I don't have too much more about this scene. I wrote there was kind of like a bit of a meet cute. It was just sort of like, oh, hi, hi, yeah. Okay. Can I rent a place? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Ladies and gentlemen, we might have an angel carrot sighting later. It's been a while. So next, we're going to go out onto the lake. We're on a pontoon boat with Jonathan and Mark. That's a cool kind of boat. And it is a classic pontoon boat. Like, it is just a big flat box with giant aluminum tubes keeping it buoyant. Not like the kind of pontoon boats that are like a bunch of couches. This is just big flat surface and a square box with a steering wheel behind it. Uh, If this podcast ever gets popular and we need something to write off, I'm pretty sure now that we've talked about pontoons, we could get ourselves a pontoon and write it off for research. And a captain's hat. Three captain's hats. (laughs) (laughs) Two captain's hats and a moderator hat. (laughs) 
perfect. Mark is living the dream. He's on his pontoon. He's uh-huh. got his fishing gear. This is his vacation, his week that he's been waiting for. Does he have a lot of gear? He's got a can of worms. He's trying to put the worm on the hook. He actually asks Jonathan to do it for him. Hey, why don't you reach down in there and get me one of those nice, juicy night crawlers? Yeah. Here, you better do it. <laughs> Little squeamish, huh? No, I just don't want to be part of killing one of his creatures. I think I'll use a lure. I mean, fine, be all uppity and vegan about it, Michael Landon, but also you're an angel and you don't have to subsist on any food. I mean, we really don't need to eat animals, do we, Sam? No, not really, actually. I think uh, science would show that most humans are much healthier when they uh, cut down on how many animals they eat on the regular. Michael Landon is really just promoting a healthy lifestyle on this episode. If this show has shown me anything, it has social justice coming out the gills. (laughs) Mark is Convinced. Mark is like, oh, I guess I'm going to use a lure instead. And he puts the worm back. Because it seemed to me that Mark might just need his eyes checked because he's having so much trouble getting a, a worm on a hook. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he just needs to go get some readers over at well, Woolworths. We also didn't see if he's like got anything in the cooler on the pontoon. You know, I don't know how much time mm. has passed. He's not smoking. So he, what else would he be doing? He's out there sweltering on a pontoon. He's got to right. keep hydrated somehow. Right. At this point, John is driving the pontoon boat. Oh, and yeah. He looks so cool driving the boat. His hair is like blowing in the wind. Instant music video hair. Yeah, he just looked so handsome. But unfortunately, they don't get any fish, so they start heading back towards the dock. Libby's out there. She's like, hey, guys, how was the fish? Any fish biting? They're like, no. And she's like, well, let me make it up for you. Let me get you all some coffees. Yeah, the least I can do is buy you a cup of coffee. She's trying to find an excuse to hang. Jonathan's like, yeah, sure. And Mark's like, no, I don't want any coffee. <laughs> oh, I'm still working no. on my buzz. He's yeah. like, don't be trying to bird dog any chicks while I'm on vacation, Michael Landon. Get your shenanigans off the pontoon. Pretty you much. and your magical angel carrot just go around the corner or something. I'm busy. Yeah, actually, Mark like goes off to talk to the local fish expert. He's actually going to look for Earl, the gas station owner, because he heard he knows about all the fishing spots. I'm on vacation. I came here yeah. to get some fish. No girlfriends on no, vacation, Michael no. Landon. What is it? You don't take fish on a fishing trip? <laughs> that doesn't quite apply. <laughs> it's making me laugh. <laughs> I have never heard that one, Rachel, but I think it's going to be a thing now. So we're going to Earl's shop. No, we don't go to Earl's shop. We're not shop. going there quite yet. Oh, I not see. quite yet. After that hard afternoon of driving the boat, he's like, I need to get cleaned up a little bit before I go get a cup of coffee. So John's going to go back to the room. So John's like walking along the exterior of the building and we see a little young Will Wheaton on the second floor. It's kind of like the balcony. So he's overlooking and he sees Jonathan coming and he's holding up a water balloon. Of course he is. Yeah. Classic prank. Jonathan knows he has it up there. But we see Jonathan kind of starting to look skyward. Kind of a little twinkle in his eye. The balloon goes up and it explodes over Will Wheaton's head. Joke's on you. Joke is on you. And guess who's laughing? Jonathan. John. John's just down there laughing. Down there laughing it up. Again, laughing at the misfortune of Earth citizens. Yeah, he is highly amused by things like this. He's a very vengeful angel, if you ask me. <laughs> Some of these like Terminator back alley moves and then the always laughing at slapstick. And there have been other episodes where mm. the little bratty kids just kind of get it stuck to them. Like the one kid in the episode with the actors, didn't one of the kids get the chicken pox for being yes. a bad kid? We're learning that no Nobody is untouchable in this show. If you're a kid, anything can happen to you. That's dastardly. I mm-hmm. totally forgot about the chicken pox yeah. already. It's such a gray area. I still don't quite know how I feel about it. Well, I am definitely anti giving kids chicken pox. 
Am I anti-water ballooning kids? Actually, no. Yeah, that one's not so Not bad. at all. Well, Wheaton's like, oh, this is going to be a challenge. Yeah, he's really the only one who's been a challenge that we've seen up until this point. So then he ducks into the window and starts eating as many bananas as possible. And by the end of the sequence, he has a whole wastebasket full of banana peels. <laughs> he goes down the stairs and starts laying them strategically around the surfaces of the floor all over the motel. That might have been the next plan. It doesn't happen quite yet. Oh, I see. Well, I'll sit tight. Yeah, we have a coffee date to get to. Okay, so we got a hot, hot coffee date. Michael Landon, he unbuttons the first button and wham! There's a magical angel carrot just flops down on the table. I mean, he doesn't even need to do anything. He's just Michael Landon. No, he just listens. (laughs) No, Mark's the fisherman. I just go along for the ride. I must say I do like it out on a boat, though. There's something very calm, very peaceful about it. You're lucky to live here. It is lovely. Occasionally, I find myself taking it for granted. Something I thought I'd never do moving back from the city. Taylor, my ex-husband, preferred city life. One of the many reasons we're not together. Are you married? And then we get a shot of grandma back in the kitchen watching them. But then the gas station owner comes in and asks if his lunch order is ready. But as he's asking, he sort of zeroes in on Jonathan and Libby. He looks very concerned. Earl is played by the actor John Lawyer, who was in Wyatt Earp, Highlander, Excalibur movie. He was also the only main male character from Facts of Life. He played the headmaster in the first season, but they cut that part in the later seasons. The first season of Facts of Life is so strange. I just rewatched it within the past year. Uh-huh. Have you seen it at all recently? Did you even watch it when you were growing up? I definitely remember watching it when I was growing up because I had a pretty sustained crush on a couple women on that show. But Blair, I, I was all Joe, about uh, Judy. I was Natalie. about Joe. Joe, she and I thought coolest. Natalie was so funny. I had a big crush on Joe. Yeah, she was pretty cool. Joe was actually who I wanted to be when I was a little kid. So I get it. I think I had a crush on Joe too, actually. I think I kind of wanted to be Joe as well. But none of those characters were in the first season. I think maybe Blair was, but it's it's like a different set of characters. The story is different. So something wasn't working in the pilot season. They revamped it for the second season into mm-hmm. the show that we know and love. So and I don't remember this guy. Headmaster in the first season? Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, I think he's not sweating it because obviously he had a lot more sword fights and movies to do yes. rather than be the headmaster on Facts of Life. So Earl sees them two talking. He looks concerned. He goes back to the garage, pulls out a giant sword, a glinting <laughs> sword. It's a demon sword, one that can slice off angel wings. That's right. Before any of that can happen, John turns to him and is like, Hey, Earl, how are you doing? And Earl says, There can be only one. <laughs> Schlang. Oh, no, one of Earl's problems is Earl is just way too polite. They ask him how he's doing. They talk about Mark. Like, yeah. Mark's upset because Earl gave him bad fishing advice. And Earl apologizes. He's like, My friend Mark's going to be bugging you this whole weekend. Sorry. So then I wrote in my notes, Earl then turns to Libby and asks how she's doing. And just in case wasn't clear the way he asked like he clearly likes her it just felt super awkward to me he's like hey Libby how's it going (laughs) she's like fine Earl just made me feel really uncomfortable sounds like Earl has some pretty good game he sounds like a real closer yeah Yeah. not really he's awkward and when he leaves John turns to Libby he's like oh is that your boyfriend she's like no he's kind of more like a brother she's like Earl uh, I don't know he's a sweet guy he's kind of like my brother Okay, so Earl doesn't have a chance yet. John then just says, hey, Libby, you want to go out for a boat ride with me? 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. I think we kind of missed something semi-important because I don't what know. What we miss? I don't know how important this is, but I realized when Jonathan and Mark are on the boat fishing, they're having a little conversation about Earl and how shy he is. And Jonathan's like, ooh, it's going to be a challenge because my job here is to hook up Earl and Libby. So that has been established. Okay. And never before has <laughs> the mission purpose from the God Almighty been so articulate. I would say we missed a giant nugget, Rachel. You are definitely correct. Oh, my. Yeah, that is is important, isn't it? (laughs) That is a giant piece of the puzzle. When has Jonathan ever gone in and hooked two people up? It's always like saving someone from something. or I mean, maybe something really bad is going to happen to one of them if they don't get together. But that's not the impression that I got. Maybe it's bad things for the whole universe if they don't get together. Maybe. Because, I mean, much like the Antichrist, maybe the new Christ through Libby and Earl will be born. Well, they should have made Earl more attractive. Yeah, I mean, if Libby has no choice in the matter, at least make him look like Michael Landon. I actually like Earl just fine. He does seem like a nice guy, but the entire way Libby is interacting with him, she so clearly does not like this guy. So that's the part I'm just not buying. He's not her type. She's not interested at all. I mean, I'm sure he's a really nice guy for somebody or maybe for Libby, but I don't see it. All right. So the mission has actually been spelled out by the Lord Almighty that Michael Landon is in town to not only let Mark be on vacation, but to get Libby and Earl together. We went back and got that really important fact. All right. Have we missed anything else? No. So despite stating the purpose of the mission on the pontoon, it seems like Michael Landon is laying the angel carrot down hard on the coffee date. Yeah, he is. He's like asking her questions. And listening. So next we see a shot of Mark on the dock talking to his fishing lures. What happened to you? You never let me down before. I'll show you. I'll use a surface lure. But then he's distracted from this train of thought as he sees the pontoon boat go by and we just hear. <laughs> yeah. Wow, Michael Landon's really milking this one. He's taking her on the date to end all dates. Yeah. And Mark, I don't even know. How do we describe his facial expression? I just wrote that he feels confused and confounded. Yeah. He's seeing what's happening. Yeah. Like, this isn't right. Is he supposed to get the angel carrot wet or not? Because this is where we're headed. <laughs> or not. <laughs> or not. <laughs> so I think Mark is really asking the question that we're all asking ourselves right now. Do angels bone? Yeah. Like, he's using powers given to him by the Almighty mm-hmm. to seduce mortal women on Earth. This is yeah. another flagrant abuse of angel powers. Yeah. Okay. So uh, Mark's had a lot of schmitties, so much so that he's talking to his fishing mm-hmm. lures. He doesn't feel okay with Michael Landon swinging his angel carrot around no. like this. No, he's seen this situation develop. We're going to leave him on the dock for a little while, and we're going to go to an apartment. It looks like Libby's apartment. Her son Max is sitting on the couch watching TV. We find out that Libby has been invited out to dinner with Jonathan. They're going on a little date. Apparently, he invited the whole family, but Max is being punished for mm-hmm. just being Max. Yes. So she doesn't think he deserves to go on a dinner date. That's her excuse. And Grandma's like, I don't want to go. I don't like this John guy. He's too flattering. And Libby's like, what's wrong with flattering? I kind of <laughs> like it. It's been so long. I thought that Grandma might actually be a little more excited for Libby. No, she's suspicious. Yeah. Well, maybe she's got to look out for Libby. I mean, this is a resort town after all. Mm. Lots of ships in the night. Maybe this is not <laughs> the first time this has happened. Yeah. You got to watch yeah. out for these whirlwind romances when you're owning a shoreline motel. Yeah, maybe townies and vacationers shouldn't mix. 
So Max runs out. He runs out and he has his football in his hand and he runs up to John's car and throws the football at the side of it and hits the car with the football. Does anything happen to the car? It's made in the 80s, so I'm sure it's like made of pure steel, so nothing really occurs. Nothing. No. It was funny, though. We both laughed when it happened. But then when he sees it doesn't really do much, he pulls out a pocket knife and he cuts the valve stem off of the front passenger tire. Giant hissing noise occurs. Yes. Tire's flat. I accidentally exploded a tire on a bicycle date once. I had a low tire, so we went to a gas station, and uh, I really showed off that day. I just pumped up my tire until it exploded. (laughs) Did you have another date? I think we had a couple more dates, but the rest of the date was uh, spent walking bicycles a long ways. So the Angel Mobile has at least one flat tire. Now we're cut to the guy's hotel room. John walks in. He's wearing a blue sweater. He's standing in front of the mirror. Mark is laying in the bed. And we can kind of see him looking at each other through the mirror at each other. John is putting on a brown, shiny leather jacket. Mark's just like, oh, man, you're getting fancy looking. I think at this point, Joel and I both looked at each other and we were like, what? Really? Because I didn't even realize he was wearing a sweater. I thought it was just another t-shirt. Yeah, could have just been But then I looked a little closer and I was like, oh, he pulled out the sweater. Okay. (laughs) And Mark's kind of calling him out on it. Pretty dressy. Well, like you said, it's a pretty nice place. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, uh uh-huh. Well, I mean, you're a guy, or at least you used to be. I still am. And you're good looking and the ladies go for you and, uh... And, uh, what? You ever think about settling down in one place? You know, and getting married, enjoying the flitter-flutter of little wings around the house? Come on, Mark, that's impossible and you know it. Then what are you doing? I mean, I saw you out on the lake today. Now it's dinner for two. It's part of my job. Look, I'll make Earl jealous and he'll step forward. That'll be the end of it. Come on, Libby's just a friend. Fine. Whatever you say. Okay, there are two things that this scene has uncovered for me. First of all, Mark has seen Jonathan Price's wings. Mark I has mean, seen always, the wings. They're always sharing a room. They've been like roommates for months now, right? Yeah. And the other thing to be discovered in this scene is that the writers of this particular episode, they're not doing the whole Back to the Future story, but this is a lift of the uh, Biff Tannen versus George McFly ploy in order to woo Lorraine oh. to save Marty McFly's future. Yeah, because that always works, right? This all checks out for me, guys. Yeah. So it's going to work. Jonathan is going to make Earl jealous in order to get the uh, fated couple together. You might just have to make him really, really jealous. I predict that Michael Landon will make Earl more jealous by showing some cool skills. He'll exhibit some cool skills that will really <laughs> just needle Earl later on in the show. Hmm. Huh. Hmm. We're heading towards the parking lot. John and Libby are getting into the angel car. They're laughing. Having a great time. Oh, Nobody's yeah. noticed that the tire's flat yet. No, but Max is watching. He loves this. I'm wrecking my mom's date and the car just drives off no problem (laughs) nothing is stopping michael landon tonight but as the car is driving off the football that max is holding suddenly deflates man right and this is a i'm just a broken record here another abuse of angel powers michael landon is an omniscient being like he knows exactly what max is up to at every second so far and he's just getting him back he is the adult picking on the kid to add salt to your wounds as this was taking place they played a variation of the theme music making sure that we're all on michael landon's side and not on max's Mm -hmm. side yes this is the show that little brat he got what he deserved yeah you're messing with the star of this television program max better 
get your butt to Starfleet. Boom. Hard cut to an alarm clock. It's 1.25 a.m. Yeah, it's <laughs> Dark night, room, it's red, red alarm clock letters. Why has Mark set his alarm clock for 1.25 a.m.? No, it's just the time readout. It is 1.25, and who's coming in the front door? Drunk Michael Landon. <laughs> Mark might be a little tipsy, but John comes in and wakes him up. And Mark barks at him. Boy, for someone who doesn't eat, you spent a long time at dinner. Michael Ann is like, oh, come on. We danced. Yeah, he's like, believe it or not, we were dancing. And Mark's like, I believe it. She probably loved it. You're an angel. You're probably all light on your feet. Mark's really nailing it for me. He's really telling it like it is. Oh, yeah. And then John just kind of stares off and is just like, well, you know what? Earl's going to be one lucky man. That Libby, she's great. Earl's going to be so lucky. And Mark's like, yeah, if it works out. And then Jonathan's like, why wouldn't it work out? Mark was like, "Uh, don't you remember five episodes ago when I got married? (laughs) Didn't last too long. (laughs) Thanks to you. Oh, man, I didn't even put that together. It's like, I'm done with love, man. He climbs in back in under the bed and throws the blankets over his head. I was not thinking about that episode as I was watching this one. Poor Mark. So next morning. And we're at the gas station. A car pulls up. It's John. Earl comes out of the gas station. John's like, ah, fill her up. You know, full service. John is kind of being a dick to Earl, I thought. Oh, yeah. He's trying to make Earl jealous. He was like, oh, man. I was out on a date last night with Libby. We were going to swing by the gas station and say hi to you, but the gas station was closed. But, 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 but the gas station's open till midnight. Oh, I guess we must have been out partying well past midnight then. Maybe it was more like one or so. Then he like rubs it in even more. He asks Earl, he's like, oh, Libby's a really nice looking woman, isn't she? Did you ever make a move on her, Earl? God. Oh my God. I know. Michael Landon is really disappointing me right now. Yeah. And Earl's like, no, Libby just thinks of me as a friend. Yeah, she's quite a woman, that Libby, isn't she? You know her long? Quite some time. Make a move on her? A move? Yeah, a move. Be a nice-looking woman living right down the road. All Libby just thinks of me as some kind of friend. Why do you know? Did you ever ask her out? Yeah, I took her and her mom out to dinner a couple of times. Her and her mom? And then he's like, and Max doesn't like me either. Then he says to Earl, hey, well, you know what? If you change your mind, you could come throw a football around with me and Libby and Max sometime. We'll be back from horseback riding together around four o'clock. Yeah, and it's weird because he's trying to spin it like he's helping him. And he's like, no, come by at four o'clock. Maybe you can get to know Max better. Yeah, I've been being a dick here at your business establishment, but show up later back at Libby's business establishment where I'll continue to pick on you until you punch me in the face in front of Libby and then she'll make out with you. This is a great plan. I mean, I'm following it. Totally makes sense. So Earl is like, yeah, I'll be there. No, Earl's just... I love playing catch. Earl's just upset. He doesn't know what to think. Tail between his legs. Yeah, sad. Poor Earl. What happens next? We're at the parking lot and Will and John are talking together. Will comes up to him and he's like, how did those tires work? And he's like, yeah, yeah, you tried to pop my tires, didn't you? He goes, uh, they're um, they're automatic inflators. He's concealing angel magic with technology. Mm-hmm. And Max is like, whoa, I've never even heard of that. And then Max is like, I bet Earl doesn't even know about those. To which Jonathan says, I bet Earl doesn't know about a lot of things. Wow. Yeah. Did Jonathan Smith just call Earl a virgin? I mean, that's, that kind, what he that's said? kind of what I'm reading into it. That yeah. isn't the kind of thing you tell no. to a young Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton isn't no. prepared for this kind of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Would you rather your mom be with a well-road stallion? like me or with a more virginal (laughs) gelding what would you prefer in your life will the virginal horse sir (laughs) 
How does this apply to Dr. Crusher? <laughs> I want to help you with the improv sketch, Joel, but it terrifies I me. <laughs> I can't go any. I know. I don't, I don't want, I don't I don't want, want to, to either. Go. Highway to Heaven Revisited will return after a brief intermission. This is the intermission. It is happening right now. Please subscribe to Highway to Heaven Revisited wherever you get your podcasts. That way, you will never miss an episode. Visit our website, highwaytoheavenrevisited.com to listen to every episode of the podcast. While you are there, you will find links to our social media pages, contact information, and ways you can help support the show. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider supporting Highway to Heaven Revisited on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash highway to heaven revisited to see the variety of special perks exclusive to Patreon patrons. Is your company interested in sponsoring Highway to Heaven Revisited? Please send an email to highway to heaven revisited at gmail.com. Sam has been waiting his whole life to read your ads on the show. Intermission is over. So we're going to go back to the pontoon boat with Mark. Mark is still out there trying to catch the fish. He has had no luck. Great, because I need a Michael Landon break right now. It's going to get a little worse before it gets better. Just aye, aye, aye. So Mark's out on the board on the boat. On the something. Mark is on the boat looking bored. What do you do when you're bored, Sam? You absentmindedly stick yourself with your fishing <laughs> lures. Get them caught in your fingertips. Close. And then they're all tangled up in your fishing line. And before you know it, whoop, 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 splash off the pontoon. It doesn't get quite that comic yet. Um, Mark Marks wants a cigarette. He just wants to smoke. He just wants to smoke. He pulls out his cigarettes, but pretty much immediately his fishing pole just gets pulled off the boat into the water. As if finally a fish came by and grabbed it. And Mark's like, why me, God? Looks up at the sky. Starts raining. Not doesn't start raining yet, but he still wants to have that cigarette. So he pulls out his lighter. No rain, just a big windstorm blows up and he can't light a cigarette. He yells, I quit. Throws his cigarettes in the lake. Yeah, Mark's done. Quit smoking. I guess if that's how you got to do it, that's how you got to do it. Mm -hmm. Mark is just having the worst vacation of all time. Are we going to go visit the horsies? We are going to see the ponies. John and Libby are riding horses in a picturesque setting. They take a little break, get off the horses, and go for a nice little romantic walk. She's wearing red boots and a red jacket with tight little cowboy jeans. Yeah, you commented on her outfit. I was like, this is a really cute outfit. Of course she put a cute outfit on. She's going on a date. I think the jeans might have even been kind of like acid washed. She looked cute. All right, so she's bought it hook, line, and sinker. She's on board. Libby's like, let's do this. And then they're just guy. Gonna, they're just going to talk about exes some more. She's going to talk about her ex a little bit more. That's He's, a great way to break the ice. What happened between you and Taylor? We married too young. This has always been where I've been most comfortable. When Taylor and I moved to the city, he was like a little kid at Christmas. Opportunity, money to be made quickly, different kinds of people. He never wanted to come back. Seems like he didn't even want to look back. I think he was embarrassed about being a small-town boy. Even in the city, this is who I was. And sometimes love will stretch so far, I guess. You're a lot like him, you know. Oh, I don't think so. He wasn't all bad. 
Oh, well, in that case, it's all right. Then the hot and heavy music starts playing, and they both begin laughing together. The camera keeps cutting back and forth between them. They both have really big, fluffy hair. They're making deep eye contact. They start breathing heavily. And they Whispering pause. into each other's mouths. <laughs> John says, we better go. I promised Max we'd toss the old ball around. Yeah, and then she's like, I'm going to miss you when you go, you know? I'm going to miss you when you go. Who knows when that's going to be? I can't leave my friend Mark catches a fish. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I think we probably ought to get back. I promised Max we'd throw the ball around. You're right. You better go. I really meant what I said about missing you. And then Jonathan just says nothing. It's the cold so angel awkward. shoulder. Yeah, you got to keep them wondering. That's the only way they come back. Got to keep them <laughs> spinning up like tops. Is he into me? I don't know. He almost said he liked me the other day. I should probably call him up again and see what's up. Well, that is the way you build a cult, I've learned, is that you bring people in by just giving them tons of attention at first, mm-hmm. and then you just go super cold and you give them expectations. So they're always fighting to get that sunshine on them again. Oh, yeah. A great example of is that guy from that crazy documentary series on Netflix, Wild Wild Country, mm-hmm. the yes. Bogwan. As soon as they move stateside, boom, the Bogwan's like, I'm sorry, I cannot talk. I no longer For speak. two and a half years. I'm taking <laughs> a vow right. of silence until I figure stuff out. You're in charge now. You're going to do great. And then he lets the whole world explode around him for two and a half years. And then finally, after it all explodes, he's like, it was all her fault. She was in charge the whole time. Me, I was just on a vow of silence. She stuck around with him for a long time, right? Yeah, it was a crazy documentary series. Michael Landon may have learned something from the Bogwan. All right, so when are they going to go play catch with Will? He must be really lonely by now. They drive back to the parking lot. Max runs out. They start tossing the ball around. Then Earl walks in. Yeah, Earl shows up. They throw the ball to Earl. Hits him in the nuts. <laughs> oh, yeah, he catches the ball. Oh. He throws the ball out to Max, and he's like, oh, I actually threw that pretty well. You were right. I would pick this back up. Libby suddenly, this is the most impressed she seems the whole episode with Earl. And she's like, oh, I didn't know you played football, Earl. He's like, oh, it's been Almost seems time. interested. Every guy who's ever played football is four times more attractive because he's played football. Hey, Earl, what's up? How's it going? Play football, don't you? Yeah, that's, that's 100% true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just been proven over the entirety of American history. Mm-hmm. Take any attractive man put a fo- that you put can a think of. football in his hand. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Ooh. Is he not four times more attractive now that there's a football in his proximity? And boy, if he can knock other people down while they're holding the football, Boy. Just now that is some potent masculinity. Clutch my pearls. Just in case there was any doubt about that, Jonathan does hear this little note of maybe attraction in Libby's voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what he does? He's got the ball. It's his turn. He throws it so hard at her. At Earl. That Earl gets knocked down. Nails him in the stomach, knocking Earl down. That is exactly what I thought would happen, actually. Mm -hmm. It does have the desired effect, because Libby immediately goes from, oh, I didn't know you played football, to, oh, are you okay? Are you sure you're okay? Oh, I don't know. And Max runs over. He's like, oh my gosh, that was like an NFL throw. That was like a super duper quarterback throw that you just did. Are you okay, Earl? Yeah, Earl, you all right? Did it feel like Fran Tarkenton just 
just threw you a football? <laughs> I think that was a popular football player. I recognize that Of name. the time. No, I think for Earl, it felt more like he touched a spark plug. Because <laughs> he was just like, oh, gosh, I got to get out of here. Oh, like my internal organs are bleeding. I think I might have broken a rib or two. Yeah, my spleen's ruptured. I got to go, guys. Okay, so Michael Landon is just not executing this plan no. to an effective degree at all. No. Yeah, Mark at the end of the scene is glaring at Jonathan and just shaking his head in disapproval. Yet another abuse of angel powers. Mm-hmm. Mark has really become the moral compass in this episode. Does Mark go talk to Earl? He's going to talk to his buddy first. Okay. John's out feeding the ducks in the middle of the night. So there's night ducks. There's night ducks. They're there's under nocturnal the moonlight. night ducks. I don't want to talk about it right now, okay? Talk about what? Come on, don't play Mickey the dunce with me. You know what I'm talking about. I couldn't believe myself today. I saw Earl coming over and I said to myself, it's working out, everything's gonna be fine. He even gave him the stuff. And I looked at Libby and I want to be a big man. Yeah, when I saw that happen today, I was disappointed in you. Oh, I don't blame you. Come on, let me finish. I said I was disappointed in you. Then I got to thinking about it, I think. What right do I have to judge you? I mean, you're always talking about judging people. Don't we all have the right to make mistakes? Even angels? No, I'm here to help people. I'm not here to worry about my own feelings. Oh, man. Well, you're probably right. Last thing the boss wants down here is somebody who fall in love or get jealous. I mean, this is no place to act like a human being. You thought about that, John? You know, the boss had a choice, you know. He could have filled, filled this whole place, place up, up with R2-D2s. Nice. But he didn't do that, John. He, he sent, sent you. you. Maybe this is for you. Maybe it's good for you. Maybe the boss wanted you to be so touched that you wouldn't lose the touch. Maybe falling in love with Libby was your vacation. A refresher course in being a human being. You're an angel, Jonathan. You're not God. You only have most of God's powers. And you have human feelings. You're like, you're like, you're like a Terminator with feelings. We still need to get to the emotional punchline here, Sam. There's an emotional punchline? Yeah, we're back in scene. I'd forgotten how hard it was to fall in love. I know. How do I get through, friend? You'll find a way. It won't be easy, but you can find a way. Pulls a cigarette pack (laughs) out of his breast pocket. They both light one up together. Then they hug. How many times do you think Jonathan Smith has been in love in his life? I don't know. I mean, at least once. It sounds like somebody really left their mark on him. It wasn't Libby. I wonder who did clip his wings. I only hope we're going to find out. I have a feeling we are. Oh, God. I I just hope there's a demon sword. not, Not in the next 10 minutes. It's um, grandma, isn't it? Michael Landon died like 30 years ago. And it's And grandma. he's Libby's dad. Oh. He's Libby's dead angel dad. This is gross. That's super Did Woody creepy. Allen write this episode? Quite possibly. There's so many things about this episode. He apparently still has all these human uh, faults. So he, he can fall prey to the flaws of man. Yeah, I thought this was good to find out. Michael Landon is coming to terms with his feelings. Victor French is showing some empathy, despite having the worst vacation of all time at his buddy. 
anybody's hands. Where do we go from here? Mark went to the gas station to invite Earl to go fishing because it's Sunday, so the gas station is closed. And at first, Earl's like, I'm not in the mood. I don't want to go fishing. And Mark's like, you know what helps me sometimes take my mind off things? Go fishing if I do something I like. So he kind of talks Earl a little bit out of his dark mood and gets him to go on to the pontoon boat with him. Mm. Okay. It's the next morning, and we're on the pontoon, and it's Mark and Earl fishing together. Earl, of course, is catching a lot of fish. Mark still isn't catching anything. I got another one. Boy, they sure are biting today. Well, I sure wouldn't know. Can't believe it. Quit smoking, I still can't catch a fish. What's smoking got to do with it? Yes, uh, a long story. Earl starts asking about John and Libby. Yeah, who's this John character? He's like, so John and Libby have been hanging out a lot. It seemed like they're getting pretty serious. Yeah, how long you known this guy? Two days. Does he have any STDs? And Mark says, yeah, yes. my friend's got, yes, he, yes, does. he does. Tons of STDs. <laughs> Mark tells Earl that John's a little bit of a playboy. Everywhere we go, he gets one. And he's like, ah, but the guy seems so sincere. And he's like, yeah, that's his game. Sincerity. It's just fun for him. It's just a little game. John doesn't even like kids. Haven't you seen how he's like sucking up to her kid? He doesn't even like kids. He's just scoring points with Libby. Blowing up water balloons in his face while she's not looking, dude. Mom, I swear this guy deflated my football. He's kind of a jerk. And she's like, why are you making up stories about Jonathan, Max? Yeah, the guy's like, man, well, how can you run around with a guy like that? And Mark's like, well, face it, we're not angels. Then Mark gets a tug on his line. For dropping the hint that... I don't know. Well, no. there's, a, there's a part we can unpack. He gets a tug on his line, starts reeling it in. Dead body. <laughs> <laughs> it's the ex-husband. Oh, my. It's a boot. <laughs> it's the ex-husband's boot. No, Interesting. It's not. it's not. Mark looks up at the sky and says, fine, that's it. I'm buying a pack of smokes. He doesn't have to. There's a pack of smokes in the boot. <laughs> He maybe should have checked it. But Earl is not happy about this information. No, how could he be happy? You know, riled up. Yeah, he's got a little honor to defend. Feels like punching somebody in the face. Mm -hmm. Especially uh, somebody with perfect fluffy hair and glistening dewy skin. Twinkle in his eye. Take your hands off her. Super cool coats. Yeah. yeah. Now do I have to swear? (laughs) You take take your goddamn hands off of her, Biff. (laughs) That's right. And so he goes and he confronts John. He goes to John's yeah. hotel room. Surprise, surprise. What are your intentions with Libby? What are your intentions? I don't want to see Libby get hurt. John's like, we're just having some fun, man. And uh, Earl's like, Libby's not that kind of girl. Earl's wearing a white long sleeve thermal shirt. That's going to have a lot of angel blood on it mere seconds from now. Rolled up to the sleeves is his red flannel plaid shirt. And over that, he has a big, thick brown leather vest. It was just a lot of layers. Like before he's wearing coveralls and a red hat. And now yeah. he's like dressed up in like an Amber Crabby outfit. As, as we've stated multiple times, Joel and I have watched these shows together. We try not to talk about them too much while we're watching. We did comment a bit more on this one, I think. You did say at this point, you said, wow, that guy's wearing a lot of layers. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, he is. And John says to Earl, if you like her so much, why don't you do something? It's kind of just being a jerk still. I feel like they've really written him into a corner. They're just like, well, he's going to be a dick until uh, the sheepish guy at the gas station puts a move on the girl, I guess. That's going to be okay, right? 
We can do that. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. yeah so, I, uh, I mean, I just, I don't know who I'm rooting for. I don't like Jonathan in this one, but I'm also not a big fan of Earl because he's really liked this girl for so long. Why hasn't he done anything? He's in his like 40s, 30s. Just say something. In other stories, there's usually two problems. And then John shows up and shows how these two separate set of problems can be solved. They just come together. These two sets of people don't really have a lot of problems. The only problem is Max is just kind of running around having a lot of fun. Besides that, the parents seem to be fine mostly yeah like, i mean yeah. single i did start thinking at this point why is this the job because what we're getting at is the job is not about libby and earl the job's about jonathan right even though that's not completely clear either but it's something about jonathan getting in touch with his humanity even though he's an angel because unless it is something along the lines of preventing or bringing on the end times why do we need this couple to get together <laughs> exactly yeah. why does earl need help getting a girlfriend so bad that libby does <laughs> doesn't have any say in the matter. God has to intervene. So I would agree with you, Rachel. I guess this is really about Michael Landon coming to terms with his magical angel carrot. Mm-hmm. Does Earl punch him in the face? No, no. Earl just like thinks about stuff. Slinks away. Mm-hmm. Then we cut to Mark and Granny. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about how the olds are getting their flirt on. Make it juicy. So Mark goes up to Granny, who is played by uh, the actress Peggy McKay, who was uh, on a whole bunch of Days of Our Lives. Anybody who watched Days of Our Lives, she's Carolyn Brady, which is a huge figure. She's like the matriarch of the Brady clan on Days of Our Lives. Yeah, it's called the Brady Bunch on Days of Our Lives. Carol Brady is the mom of the Brady Bunch on Days of Our Lives. We all know that, Rachel. Uh, Louise, could you give me some change for the cigarette machine? Certainly. Any luck today? Oh, yeah. I caught a soul. In this lake? Just a little humor. Oh. Here you go. She gets him some change. He goes outside, goes to the cigarette machine, buys himself a pack of smokes, tears them open. But there's something wrong inside the pack. It's full of bugs. No smokes. No bugs. Pulls out a giant white piece of paper that's all folded up. Okay. He unfolds this giant white sheet of paper, taking up the entire frame of the camera. Yeah, like small poster size. And in like block Helvetica font, bold letters says, Breaking promises can be hazardous to your health. Crash of thunder. Then he goes, cute. Real cute. It's almost as if there is nothing else occurring on the planet Earth. This is a world devoid of famine, of homelessness. God has plenty of time to confound Mark's quest to have a cigarette at every turn. Yeah, I mean, it's not the worst thing in the world that God is just all about keeping people from smoking. I'm personally jealous about how much divine intervention Mark is getting compared to how much I've gotten in my life, Mm -hmm. okay? I I hate to project. Yeah, I have not ever been rained on in the car, that's for sure. I never got a note in my cigarettes box. Not that I ever smoked, but if I did. No joke shoes at the end of your fishing line? My car broke down a lot when I was younger. Maybe I just wasn't listening. If you had known then what you know now, Joel. He was he was with you the whole time. Right. He was there the whole time. Now that everybody is starting to learn about their feelings, how do people start dealing with their problems and wrapping up the show? John's shaming of Earl actually works. So the next thing we see is Earl is in the gas station writing a card to the prettiest girl on the lake. Love Earl. He then attaches that card to a nice bouquet of flowers. Earl made a good move by signing the card so it's not creepy and anonymous. Yeah, I was concerned 
concerned when he was writing that he wasn't going to sign it because that's just the way I saw the show going. But he did sign it. So yeah. points to Earl. He then gets dressed up. He's wearing a button-up shirt and a tie with a denim jacket. And we see him. It's nighttime. He's going to deliver the flowers to Libby. So we see him walking along the front porch of the hotel. He peers in the window, sees Libby in the lobby. Chicken's out. Trashes the flowers. Throws them in the garbage. Yeah. Trashes them. Dumps them in the trash. Uh, typical Earl. And then the next thing we see is Jonathan peeking out of the shadows. Okay. I don't know how to read Jonathan's expression. I would say poker face. He's just keeping an eye out on Earl, on Libby. He's watching somebody. So now it's the morning. We're at the dock. Max runs up to Mark and is like, Hi. Hi. Is Jonathan up yet? Yeah, he's up in the room. Thanks. Good luck. So Max runs up to John's room, and John's packing a bag. And he says, ah, I'm not in the mood to play football. TV episode's almost over, kid. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about my next town. Hi, you want to throw the ball around? I've been working on my spiral. No, not right now, Max. How about later? No, I'm just not in the mood. What are you doing? I'm packing. We're going to check out later today. But you said you'd be here a while. I know what I said, but I changed my mind. I'm getting bored. I feel like moving on. Hey, was it something I did? Are you angry at me? It was nothing you did, and I'm not angry at you. Look, let me finish packing, all right, Ken? Max leaves, and John just looks around conflicted in the room. Then we follow Max. Max runs to Earl. He's running back to that soda machine. Yeah, He's getting ready to kick it again. Getting ready to right. kick it. Max runs and goes to kick the soda machine, and Earl grabs him by the lapels and lifts him up and starts screaming at him, telling him to straighten up. Now, this is really going to get Libby interested. He's basically just like, Max, what's wrong with you? And he's like, John's leaving. He's leaving just like my dad left. But then Earl kind of looks happy. That's kind of how, how Earl is feeling. Sybil does not approve of Michael Landon's behavior on no. this episode either. She's a smart cat. You know, Sybil is pretty smart, but it's not like she can do like nine cat tricks in a row on the internet <laughs> or something. Okay. And what you're referring to, Sam, is that our cat, Charlie, she's clicker trained. So she can do a series of about 20 tricks. She's a pretty smart cat. And she does have a video. I think Charlie's just a magical cat that was put into your guys' custody. Really, Charlie is a pretty magical cat. All right, so both Earl and Wesley Crusher are taking out their frustrations about Jonathan Smith on each other. Yeah, but then it changes a little bit. Mm -hmm. Earl kind of takes a breath, and he's like, you know what? Let's make a deal here. Look, I'll make a deal with you. I'll give you a job working here a couple hours a day till school starts. That way uh, you can earn a little spending money, and maybe I can close up early. We'll both go play ball. Do you really mean it? Yeah, I mean it. A real job? Like a man? Like a man. What do you say? Let's get to work. Max is pretty excited about this. Yeah, Max has got a father figure Mm -hmm. and a tiny bit of responsibility, Mm -hmm. and Earl has some very cheap labor. Two problems with a solution. All right, this is starting to feel a little more like Highway to Heaven. Yeah, so the next thing we see is a shot of Earl's flowers. The last time we saw them, they were in the garbage can. Now they are sitting on the front counter in the hotel lobby. Libby is looking at them and smiling, reading the card. Oh, thank you, Michael Landon. But then she spots Jonathan packing up and leaving, so she immediately has to run out and talk to him and he tells her he's leaving well basically i'll see you later oh yeah mm-hmm. max is upset by the way yeah I, your kid's mad because i told him i was leaving he's over at earl's if you're looking for him kids am i right he literally does mm-hmm. that libby's like it's been fun stop by anytime you're in the neighborhood yeah, she's like please anytime you come by you can stop here because remember you and me just spent the last 70 of the last 72 hours together awesome multiple day dates I put on some cowgirl pants for you buddy where, where are you going and he's like yeah 
we'll see. Then she like kind of looks off and almost starts to cry, then runs off. Michael Landon taking a one-way ticket to Flake City. But then Jonathan tears up a little bit. And then Mark comes walking in with his tackle box. And he's like, I guess we're leaving, huh? I just caught an eight-pounder and I didn't have the heart to keep it. Just seems like nobody's letting themselves be happy. This is not a fun vacation. Libby goes to the shop. He goes up to Earl and's like, hey, have you seen Max? Earl says, yeah, yeah, I saw Max and I gave him a job here. She thanks Earl for the flowers and the note. She specifies that. She says, it was very sweet. I'm so still not convinced at this point, though. Yeah, big whoop. Earl's like, oh, you mean those flowers I threw away? You got those? Because they were totally bent and messed up when I threw them on that pile of tomato soup. Yeah. So then Earl goes into, it's about time I told you something. I should have told you a long time ago. Look, it's about time I told you something. A long time ago, you broke my heart. You didn't know it, but you did. See, the the first time I saw you, I said to myself, whoa. So I said something to Taylor. He hadn't noticed you until I said something. And I never had a chance. Next thing I knew, you two were a couple, and I was your old sidekick. So be it. Look, I've always been in love with you. I never felt I could do or say anything about it because that would jeopardize our friendship. You want to go out to dinner? Just us, not your mom. Oh, boy. I know. I know. (laughs) This is so... So through the power of sympathy, she's like, oh, I feel so sorry for you. I don't know. Let's go out together. I feel like we were supposed to believe at the end of the episode that they were going to fall in love, right? Yeah. I think clearly I didn't. How did you feel, Joel? I mean, the last line that he says to him is like, hey, let's all just finish up here at the shop and go play football together. And they're like, oh, okay. And so they kind of all leave as one unit. So clearly everything's going to be fine. Earl does say something, Because football too. fixes everything. Yeah, he's just got to show her that football form again. Like, if you have problems talking to another guy... Easy. Just talk about football. Mm-hmm. Join the football team. Knock a bunch of people over. You'll feel a lot better about yourself. And bury those feelings deep, 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 deep down inside. So deep that you have to wait like 20 years to tell somebody that you are in love with them. He does also say in the middle of this reveal, I hope that my telling you I'm in love with you doesn't mean we can't be friends. And I was no. like, yeah, it does. It is going to. He doesn't want anything to change. And it's going to change. I just don't know that it's going to change for the better. Well, I don't see it changing for Libby for the better if they're sort of like... Like predestined via Michael Landon's intervention to be together. I just feel like Libby has not had any say in this matter this entire episode. No, she hasn't. I really think Earl could be a great catch for somebody. I just don't think this, I guess I just don't agree with God. I don't understand. I don't yeah. understand, God. Do a little better, God. Spell it out for us. So I guess let's just assume that they're happy and everything's fine. Do Michael Landon and Victor French get in the car and drive away? Yeah, they witness this. They watch him walk off so they can yeah. play football together. Yeah, and then Jonathan says, let's go. And they just leave, drive away. Just like this <laughs> bittersweet. Go. I wonder what that conversation was like, yeah. that next car ride. Probably a in-depth discussion about what the magic angel carrot is, how mm-hmm. big it is, mm-hmm. does it look like mine? Then they talked about football. Mostly football. Probably baseball, too, especially mm-hmm. the Oakland days. All right, here's my take. Uh, weird show. Yeah. Very weird show. I agree. Mark had some great moments in this show. Like mm-hmm. I feel like he, he did a pretty good job supporting his friend in the midst of his frustration 
vacation, his difficult vacation. I mean, Mark had his own stuff going on. I like that he confronted his friend. He didn't let him just get away with his bad behavior. You know, that's that's a pretty stand-up move. A vast exploration of bad behavior on Michael Landon's part. Picking yeah. on children, manipulating yet another woman's feelings along the way. I mean, this one's complicated, though. I feel like in the past, he hasn't been attached. You know, he maybe has been unaware of what he's doing. This time, he knew what he was doing. And he couldn't and he stop doing to, it. Yeah, he wanted to do it. He kept doing it. It kept escalating yeah. it. Yeah. little disappointed that there was no demon sword and no hacking of angel wings in midair. Would it have been better if they had just like made out? I do think they took it to a very extreme degree with Michael Landon's behavior. Having mm-hmm. not watched the show, I found it very upsetting and uncomfortable. They did. I agree. You know, if they did make out, that would have taken it a bit farther. Yeah. But I mean, God knows what happens when, well... God does know what happens, but God knows what happens when an angel smooches another human. Yeah, what happens when angels kiss humans? What do we know in media? For all I know, they could turn into Galdang R2-D2s. <laughs> <Right. laughs> yeah. yeah, Joel liked that reference. Does angel plus human equal droid? Was that what Victor French was trying to tell us earlier, guys? I think it was angel devoid of human equals droid. Okay. So is the opposite true? Angel plus human also equals droid? It's like the golden rule. It works both ways. Yeah. You're right. Good point. All right. Um, let's. Uh, we've we've given this yeah. particular episode far greater of an examination than it ever <laughs> deserved or required. I'm sure that our audience is quite pleased with our analysis, but let them not be disappointed because the wrap-up is about to happen. Joel, how about you start? What's the moral of the story today? The title of this episode is One-Winged Angels. I did a a quick little Google search around that. Couldn't find great definitions, but I did find something on TV tropes, and it was a reference to like how a scientist would drink his own poison and then get turned into like a bad creature or a dragon gets a wing ripped off of it at the end and then it becomes an even worse monster. But the term one-winged angels was, was in reference to a Final Fantasy video game. So I don't know how that if that existed before that or after. So it seemed like quite a stretch. So that's the moral of the story. <laughs> I like it. Makes perfect sense. Rachel? My moral of the story, I did feel for Earl. I felt for Libby. This was a tough situation. My takeaway is if you have very strong feelings for someone, maybe before they get married to your best friend, maybe before the relationship gets serious, why don't you just tell them? Yeah. Take a chance. Be brave. What do you got to lose? Yeah, come on, Earl. I guess the moral of the story for me is the same thing. If you you like somebody and you, you got a window, jump through the window. See what happens. Rejection isn't that bad. Life is just an unrelenting series of rejections. So what's another bump along the road? I like it. Excellent. Okay. Lay it on me as far as the Michael Landon factor of this episode, guys. You got a lot of stuff to take account of here. He made someone fall in love with him. He deflated a tire. He inflated Inflated a tire. tire. Oh, yes. Deflated a football. There was the rainstorm in the car. Water balloon. The water balloon was definitely him. I feel like the rainstorms might have been the big boss. He did something he's never done before, and he quote-unquote gave him the stuff. Oh, yeah. He gave Earl the stuff. Yeah, the ability to throw a football. Oh, that's what the stuff was. I thought the stuff was just all the guff (laughs) that he gave him. Like, you know, I've been giving him the stuff all day long and he still won't ask Libby out. Yeah, he's never given someone a magical ability. Mm -mm. Yeah, and he also fixed 
broken flowers. He got stained them out of the with garbage. soup. Yeah. You said so yourself. Yeah. Indeed. It's full of tomato soup. Yeah. He also had some fairly good one-liners. And lots of outfit changes, guys. In this, it was more, I think I would say, crotch kicking. Yeah. His that's accurate. He was that's... more just like being a bro. He's basically like, sack up, bro. You like me hitting on your not girlfriend? Yeah. Makes you feel like you're back in high school, doesn't it? You dingus. You're getting a second chance to make that right. This is your do-over, dude. So, Rachel, lest we forget, you uh, rated the Michael Landon factor of the first episode at a 10 out of 10. Given how much of a show Michael Landon put on for us today, what is your Michael Landon factor for episode 15, season one? Such a hard time with this decision. I'm going to go with 7.5. Excellent. What about you, Joel? We got car magic. We got one-liners. We got handsome attractiveness. I don't think think the fact that he's skeezy diminishes it. I mean, I think if I needed to give someone an example of what the Landon factor is, so far, this is the strongest example I've found. I'm going to go 9.2. Oh, 9.2. Rachel, you got a pen out there. Can you tell me the midpoint between 7.5 and 9.2, please? Maybe. Give me like, <laughs> give me like five minutes here. So the total is 16.7, so that's like 8.35. 8.35. Ladies and gentlemen, you heard it. Season 1, episode 15 of Highway to Heaven. Overall, Michael Landon factor is 8.35. Wow. Personally, guys, based on your storytelling, I would have rated this one a 10. I think it's not ashamed. fairly obvious that I couldn't keep my emotions out of that decision, and I'm comfortable with that. It's all good. The Michael Landon factor is based on the individual reaction of you and mm-hmm. Joel combined, averaging out at this point to be an 8.35. Yep. Guys, I can't say what a pleasure it is to have spent another two hours and 37 minutes talking to you about another episode of Highway to Heaven. We're well on our way through season one. The listenership, I'm sure, is accruing by mountains and oh, mountains yeah. and mountains of ears yeah. every single day. And if you are part of the listening audience out there, we're so excited and glad that you've uh, joined us along the way and uh, tune in for the next episode and we'll see you next time on Highway to Heaven Revisited. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks. Next time on Highway to Heaven Revisited. We had better find a place to spend the night. No streetlights. I can hardly see a thing. And you're about the most obnoxious little brat I ever met in my life. What's your name? Mark. Mark Gordon. Highway to Heaven Revisited is the galaxy's only podcast offering a comprehensive view of Michael Landon's classic 1980s television series, Highway to Heaven. Do you want to watch along with Rachel and Joel? Highway to Heaven is streaming almost anywhere. Check your favorite streaming platform to see if it is available. Please follow Highway to Heaven Revisited on Instagram. That's at Highway to Heaven Revisited. Do you have a question or comment for the hosts or moderator? Call the Hotline to Heaven. The number is 612 356 
That number again is 612 flow is five. Your message might be played on the show. Or send the show an email at highway to heaven revisited at gmail.com. Your message might be featured on the show. If you have time, please rate and review Highway to Heaven Revisited wherever you get your podcasts. If you like this podcast, please share it with a friend. Theme music composed by Brian Just. Thank you for listening, and be sure to join the gang for the next episode. Highway to Heaven Revisited is a Channel 3 TV production.